Hey, everybody. This is uh, Marty Solomon, and I just wanted to uh, give you, uh, invite you to stick around after this episode. Uh, I have a little note from the future, if you will, from the Bayma podcast. This is the Baymont Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we give a summary of the books of Moses as we conclude session one of our podcast. This is The Capstone. Yeah. So, that was a that was a sesh, if you will. That was a whole session we got done. Pretty we good. It. I enjoyed that. It only took a semester. <laughs> a semester? You mean a school year. Oh, I'm sorry. School year. Oh, man. Holy smokes. But it was good, though. It was a lot of fun. It was a, the new format was a... Uh, a ton of fun for me, so it was good. I'm excited. But we, yeah, we're all done with session one. All done with the books of Moses. And so what I want to do today is, uh, this could be a really short podcast, but hopefully worth our time nonetheless. I wanted to kind of go back and and wrap up, uh, summarize. One of the things we do in this uh, discussion group very often is uh, almost every lesson we'll take some time to just go back and review. And uh, I, I like to uh, have an idea of what is the whole story doing? What is what does Torah look like? Is this just five random books, or how can I understand them all together as kind of a package deal? Like how can I how can I understand the movement of Torah? Um, I want to have that kind of understanding of Scripture as a whole, and I, I think we just kind of look at the Bible, and it's and on one hand it is a, very much a library of books. Like there's all kinds of different books. They're not meant. They're not designed to work together. But on another hand, especially um, with rooms full of millennials who love narrative, love to understand the world as narrative, I think it's really helpful to figure out if we can understand the Bible as narrative. Maybe a hundred years from now with a totally different generation, that won't be nearly as important. But for us, um, it's something that I, I think is important if I can understand the Bible that way. So I want to review where we've been. I want to put the books of Moses together. I want to put Torah together uh, as kind of a single... Um, synchronized narrative. And then uh, we have some instructions for session two, some places to point you, some directions, uh, if you will, to make sure that we um, can keep trucking right along uh, through the scriptures. So that's what we're doing today. So make sure you listen to the whole thing uh, because we got some good instructions towards the end. And if you miss those, you may not know where we're headed next. So, And this review, like, Torah is the foundation of what God is doing in the world. Oh, my goodness. Everything we're going to do from here on out is building on this. So if you don't have your mind wrapped around what Torah establishes God and his people to be, it's going to make it a lot harder to understand the rest of the scriptures. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's going to be a... A lot of people think of the Old Testament, they think of the prophets, or they think about David, or they think about, and it's all built, all of that narrative is built upon the foundation of Torah. And uh, so it's incredibly essential, especially the book of Genesis. But speaking of which, I'm going to dive right in here. So we have uh, on your presentation, we have a little presentation we put together, uh, not a very long one, but helpful, I, I think. Um this is the review that we use. Like, we'll write this up on the whiteboard in our discussion groups. I have done this for years and made tiny alterations and adjustments here and there, but uh, done this for years in an attempt to try to help us get an understanding of of Scripture. And uh, so Genesis, we always talk about the very first uh, section we had was we had, the, we had the preface. It was Genesis 1 through 11. And we always talk about the content of the preface. This is where God introduced us to, like, the really big ideas. Who is God? What is the world? Who is mankind? And what is God doing in the world with mankind? 
And what we learned is we learned that that creation was good. What is the world? The world is good. And God loves it. He accepts it. He's pretty fond of it. He thinks it's pretty great. Uh, It says it's Tov Meod at the end of Genesis 1. And he's inviting, in the preface, he keeps inviting mankind, inviting humanity to trust him, to trust that the story is good, to trust that creation is everything it needs to be, that God's not holding out, that it's not uh, essentially broken. Oh, there's plenty of brokenness in the world around us, no doubt about that. But it's not essentially broken. It is essentially good. And we need to trust in the goodness of creation. We need to trust in the goodness of God, maybe even more importantly. We need to trust that God has our back, that he's for us, he's not against us. And what we see in the preface is a bunch of examples of people trusting or not trusting the story, Brent? Uh, Not trusting. Not trusting. We see like Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel. And Noah starts off pretty good, but then has that bad turn at the end of his story. And then Tower of Babel. And we just see humanity not trusting the story. And that brings us to tragedy. At the end of every one of those little mini narratives, the world's falling more and more apart. And God's trying to put this world back together. But he's got to find a group of people to trust him. And that's where we run into the intro. We talk about Genesis 12 through 50, where we meet the family of God. Uh, we always write on the board A-I-J-J. And that stands for Avram, Yitzhak, Jacob, and Yosef, the patriarchs. And what we find in this family is they're far from perfect. They're still incredibly human, and they make all kinds of mistakes. And their family is horribly dysfunctional. Um, but we find that this family does know how to trust the story. Uh, They are going to lean into trusting that God is doing something redemptive in the world. They can be a part of it. And that's what's going to make the story kind of move forward and take off from there. So that's Genesis. Genesis is the preface. Genesis is the introduction. We we learn about the big ideas. We meet the characters. And now the stage is set. I I have learned the language, if you will, the story. And you just said a moment ago um, that Torah is like a really big deal, like even in Torah Genesis, like that's the foundation. If we don't start with Torah and if we don't start, uh, if we don't begin in the beginning, we don't have the foundation to have the right conversation. We haven't learned the right lingo. We don't have the right language. So really critical, the book of Genesis says. But then, uh, so that was the setup. Genesis is a setup. And and that leads us to the narrative, because the narrative of God really starts in the book of Exodus. Now, uh, what, do we, what is it that we called this narrative way back when? That was a few podcasts ago, but what was that, Brent? Empire versus Shalom. Empire versus Shalom, a tale of two kingdoms. tale of two kingdoms. We have this big, like God's telling this big, he has this drama. He has this big narrative that he's telling. Uh, it's a tale of two kingdoms, two narratives that are always in competition with each other. There is the narrative and there is the worldview of empire, which is all about fear. It's about coercion. It's about a particular kind of power built off of fear. It's about wealth and security. And it's about self-preservation. And then you have this other narrative, this other worldview of shalom and kingdom, uh, the kingdom of God. And it's uh, it's going to be built off of generosity. It's going to be built off of invitation. It's going to be built off of trust. Uh, maybe most importantly, instead of self-preservation, uh, this narrative is going to be built off of uh, uh, self-sacrifice. And that that's what this whole drama is going to be about. Now that we've set the stage for that drama, now that we've set the stage with the preface and the introduction in the book of Genesis for God's narrative, we can dive into the narrative. And the narrative really begins in the story of Exodus. And it starts with the rescue in the story of the Passover. And God takes his... Uh, takes his uh, fiance, if you will, uh, his betrothed one out of, 
of Egypt. He leads them through the Red Sea and he takes them to Mount Sinai where there's a gigantic wedding and there's a marriage and he enters into a relationship with them. The whole rest of the book of Exodus is going to be about the tabernacle. And uh, the tabernacle, we always talk about it in class in a few different ways. Um, If we were to continue with the marriage imagery, tabernacle would be the what, Brent? Uh, The honeymoon suite. Honeymoon suite. We had a whole podcast on, uh, like, from a literary perspective. If we look at Genesis, or if we look at the tabernacle as a piece of literature, uh, we talked about how it was a what? A chiasm. And a retelling of? Genesis 1. Genesis 1. Like, it's it's like a mobile... A creation story that's that's gone with them. But if we were going to think about the tabernacle in terms of its functionality and the narrative itself, uh, the tabernacle really ends up being the place where the priests work. And that's important because God had just told them back in Exodus 19 uh, that if they chose to marry him, if they chose to say, yes, uh, I do at the wedding, then they would be for him a kingdom of priests. And that's going to raise a whole bunch of questions because where have they been for the last 400 years, Brent? They've been in Egypt. They have not been a priest at school. A different uh, kind of priesthood. Yeah. Yeah. So they need to learn about priesthood. And so God says, Well, I got good news for you. I've got a tabernacle, and that's where the priests are going to work. And you're going to set that up in the middle of your camp. And you can watch these priests do their job every day. And watching them do their job is going to teach you how to do your job. And in, and in addition to that, I'm also going to give you this uh, fantastic book, wonderful reading material called Leviticus. And Leviticus is going to be the manual for priesthood. It's going to teach you how to be a priest. And so it has a section on atonement. Um, It has what we call the priest sandwich. It has two sections of priesthood. uh, But it also, in the middle of that, teaches you how to live. So even though on the outsides of this section, I'm learning about who who a priest is and what he wears and who he can marry. uh, And then on the back end, I'm learning about what happens when he fails at all those things and he screws up. But in the middle of that, I'm learning about how to eat kosher. I'm learning about what kind of clothes I can wear. I'm learning about my own sexuality. I'm learning about all these other things because I'm supposed to be a priest. So this whole thing is a teaching tool. Uh, The book of Leviticus is teaching God's people how to be priests. And then uh, God, of course, is going to teach them how to party. It's going to be really important because if we don't party, we're going to forget about all that stuff we started with. All that stuff about the preface and the story being good and, and trusting God and trusting that creation is good and that God, God's for us. He's not against us. That's what the party is all about. The party reminds us of all these truths, and, uh, and, and we're going to forget that. And then uh, the book closes with making sure that we know how to take care of the oppressed. How do we, how do we put things back? How do we make things right? If, if God was looking for a partner to put the world back together, I have to know what it means to put the world back together. And so taking care of the oppressed becomes a pretty big part of that. And then uh, the book of Numbers is all about the desert honeymoon to kind of return to the marriage imagery. Um, uh, If God married his people at Sinai, well, Numbers becomes the the time in the desert where you get to know your bride, you get to know your groom, uh, they get to know each other and this, this shaping time together in the desert. And then, of course, our last podcast, we talk about Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy was this insistent call to remember where we've come from, uh, remember where you came from. And and if we remember, we take care of the AOW as kind of our shorthand and our discussions that we'll often have. But that, that stands for the alien, the orphan, and the widow. It's the thing that Deuteronomy keeps bringing up over and over again, the alien, the orphan, and the widow, the alien, the orphan, and the widow. If you remember that you were slaves in Egypt, if you remember that you were the alien, you were the orphan, you were the widow, then you're going to remember the alien and orphans and widows in your midst. 
And we also said uh, in our last podcast that if you remember the alien, the orphan, and the widow, it's going to remind you of where you came from. And so it's this cyclical, uh, there's a cyclical nature to that. Now that's, this is only five books. This is, this is Torah, uh, but there's still a lot of information on the screen in front of you. There's still a lot to digest. And so sometimes I like to even break it down to even a smaller chunk. Like, how can I understand this even more concisely? Um, I want to understand what's in Genesis. I want to understand what's in Exodus. I want to understand what's in Leviticus. But I also want to be able to step back and go, okay, what was Torah about? Like, if I could sum it up in one statement, what is what is Torah about? And if I were to do that, I, I would sum it up in one word, and that would be partnership on your next slide. Partnership. Torah is about partnership. Um, and, and here's what I mean by that. We could walk through the five books. Uh, we learned about the basics of this partnership, and we met the characters that would be a part of this partnership in Genesis. Um, in Exodus, God actually chose a partner, and the partner chose God. They said, yeah, we're, we're both in this together, uh, and the partnership is formed. God then defines the partnership in the book of Leviticus. Uh, God is going to shape his partner in the, in the desert in the book of Numbers. Uh, and then God is going to ask his partner to remember. Just remember all of it. Remember where you've come from. Remember how I chose you. Remember our time in the desert together. Just remember it all. Remember where it starts. Remember where it ends. And, and remember. But this whole, like the books of Moses, is really a missional. Torah is missional. It's about God finding a partner, choosing a partner, shaping a partner. The books of Moses is, is really in a lot of ways about partnership. And that's where the story begins. God's looking for a partner. Uh, God has made this good world. He loves his world. It's got all kinds of brokenness. It falls apart, but God's looking for a partner to put it back together. And he's telling this partner how to be a part of this relationship. So that's Torah. So now uh, that'd be a summary of where we've been. I think we should probably talk about where we're headed. So our next slide here, uh, session one, this concludes. This, this is the capstone discussion. This concludes session one. We made it. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be following the narrative of biblical history chronologically. We're going to see how this partner that we just, if, if the books of Moses were about partnership, and we talked about this partner and this partner and this partner and this partner, we're going to start walking through the story of, of biblical history, and we're going to see how this partner lives out the mission of God. How do they do? How, they said yes to this partnership. God said yes to the partnership. God shaped a partner. What happens next in the story? Now, what I mean by walking chronologically is I mean we're not going to be following uh, your Bible. Um, there are some Bibles out there that try to arrange things chronologically. Uh, it's really hard to do. Um, not sure any of them do a very good job, to be quite honest. Uh, I'm not sure if we're going to do necessarily us, but I like how we do. I like how we do it here with our with our study. Um, but uh, we are not going to follow the way the books are ordered in your Christian, Protestant, English Bibles. We are not going to follow how the books are ordered in the Tanakh, uh, in the Hebrew scriptures. And we'll talk about that maybe during some podcast sometime. Uh, we are going to try to follow the narrative of biblical history, which means we'll be pulling some of the books out of their order and putting them hopefully in the place to, to our best of our ability. Uh, to the place that I think they belong chronologically. At first, it's going to be pretty straightforward. You're going to think, oh, we're just following the Bible. It's going to be Joshua. It's going to be Judges. We're going to take a little, we're going to pause. We're going to zoom in on the story of Ruth. 
then we're going to go First Second Kings, uh, for, or should I say First Second Samuel, First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles. We're just going to be following right along, and then we're going to get to the prophets, and it's going to get a little wacky. We're going to get to wisdom literature, and stuff's going to start to get pulled a little bit out of order as far as how it appears in your Bible. So just know that we're going to be. We started in Genesis. And we're going to walk through the whole study, all five sessions that you just referred to. We're just going to be walking through the story of history from in the beginning, God created to uh, where we sit today, even. Session number five will be about church history when we finally get there. So that's, that's how we're going through this. That's how, so we're going to pick up in the book of Joshua uh, when we post our next podcast. So Brent, do you have anything else that you think we should tell people about? Well, I was just thinking, uh, we do have a Baymont Discipleship Facebook page that's a great spot to get connected. Um, Marty, you post interesting links, you post schedule changes, whatever. So that's that's a great way to get connected and yep. uh, be in community with other podrishners. Yep. Yeah, we try to keep our website updated. You do a pretty good job at that, Brent, of schedule changes. But really, like the one of the best places to get uh, up-to-date stuff, uh, changes or updates is that Facebook page. I try to post twice a week. I try to post every Monday and Thursday, um, and let people know about scheduling stuff. But I also like to, every week I like to have something to pass along, at least one article, blog post, video, something that, um, something that I've learned, something that helps us study, just something to keep the brain working, something that, uh, keeps us thinking about, things of the Bema nature. So it is a it is a good place to be connected. Uh, Bema Discipleship, it's just a Facebook page. So go find us on there, like it. And uh, Facebook's always changing how they do their notifications and stuff, but I believe you can subscribe in such a way that you get a notification whenever. I typically do, but sometimes I don't, they don't yeah. show up and I find out about the post later, which is really irritating. I'm like, yeah. I'm telling you what I want. I know. Just give it to me. Which, by the way, if you're a Twitter person, I personally love Twitter so much more than Facebook. I can't even begin to tell you. But if you're a Twitter person, we do have a Twitter feed as well um, that we don't usually talk about every week. We, we always talk about uh, – let's see if I can do the Brent Billings thing. You can find Marty on Twitter, uh, Marty Solomon. You can find me on Twitter at EIABCB. Did I do that right? That's pretty good. That's pretty uh, good. Yeah. Uh, we also have a Bayma Twitter feed, and it's uh, at the underscore Bayma. So the underscore Bema is uh, the Twitter handle there that you can find. I'll link the Facebook page and the uh, Twitter handle as well in the show notes. So So those are some places you can stay connected. And uh, whenever I post on Facebook, it also goes to our Twitter feed, usually. And uh, so it's all kind of out there. So anything else you can think of, Brent? <laughs> what are you What are you doing during the summer, Marty? You're you're gone quite a bit, pretty much. Yeah, doing quite a bit, and I I do a lot more than I used to do. Um, I'll be doing a bunch of fundraising. We may talk about that maybe on our intro to session two podcast a little bit more. Um, we uh, I'll bounce around and travel to different teams, and we have different conferences that will be happening uh, for Impact, um, the president of Impact Campus Ministries, and we have different team leader conferences and student conferences and all kinds of things happen throughout the summer. So I am just all over Southern Idaho, New York, Indianapolis. I'm just, I'm, I'm a traveling man. Visiting some pod perhaps. I will probably be seeing some of you that listen to this podcast. Yeah. In my travels. Absolutely. And there's probably some I haven't even met yet that I'm going to meet on some of these travels. Sounds great. It's always fun. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for session one. That's it. Um, you guys, 
We just gave you the rundown on discussion groups. So I don't need to tell you about that. Marty already did the Twitter thing, so I don't need to tell you about that. <laughs> and uh, BaymontDiscipleship.com, that'll, that'll get you everything else you need to know. So thanks for joining us on the Baymont Podcast, Session 1. And we'll talk to you again soon. All right, what you just heard, we originally recorded in May 2017, and we have had a number of things change. This is, uh, we're coming to you from 2020, and a number of things have changed. Now, we uh, did one of these addendums to episode one as well. If you haven't heard that, go back and check that out. Uh, We talk about what discussion groups are happening. Uh, We talk about the map that you can find discussion groups around the world. We talk about apps we recommend for listening to the podcast. And we talk about social media accounts and how you can get a hold of us. Uh, so go back to episode one, listen to the the last like five or six minutes of that episode for that update if you haven't already heard that. Uh, but otherwise, if if you've made it this far in the podcast, we just have a couple of things that we want to talk about. Uh, things that we didn't really consider to be important uh, initially. And now, now that Bema Discipleship has become something else, we want to we wanna mention them. So the first thing that we want to talk about is the uh, importance of iTunes reviews, which is insane to think about. iTunes and, and Apple Podcasts, they are still the uh, kind of default podcast platform. A vast number of our listeners are from that platform. And so uh, leaving us a review uh, or, or just a rating, for that matter, on the podcast actually helps people find find the show. Uh, the, the top charts are not necessarily uh, considered based on download numbers or, or the amount of people listening or whatever. It's uh, it's it's sort of an engagement metric. Uh, so if you if you want to help the show out, you can you can leave a review and and uh, help other people find it. And and the other thing you can do is word of mouth. Like word of mouth is huge. Almost all of the discussion groups that we hear about are formed by word of mouth. There's always like a chain of people. Like, hey, how did you start listening to the show? Oh, well, my my wife heard about it from her friend whose husband started listening from somebody at work. Like it's, there's so much word of mouth. It's so powerful. If you haven't uh, told anyone about the show, but you're enjoying it and you, you know of someone who might be interested in the, in the material, then, then please uh, share it. And some, some of the podcast apps we recommend have a a clip sharing function. So if there's like a particular uh, line that Marty says that, that really struck a chord with you, maybe pull the clip out of the episode and share that on social media or whatever. Uh, That's a great way to do it. The other thing, Although I, I would also say, um, be careful about just sharing an episode out of nowhere. Like oftentimes people will share like an episode from the middle of session three and people don't have all the background and all the tools. And then it produces some pretty interesting, angry emails. And, you know, just be cognizant of like the way that you share the podcast and what your expectations are when people listen to it. If they haven't gone on the journey with you, they're not in the same place when, you know, we're a hundred episodes in and making some assumptions. So. Yeah, absolutely. Recognize the audience that you are speaking to as you're sharing it. You don't even have to share this, the clip on social media. You could just send a clip to a friend. Maybe you're in a discussion group. You're like, Hey, listen to the latest episode. This one little bit stuck out to me. Let's remember to talk about this at our discussion group this week or whatever. Absolutely. Lots of great ways. Uh, the other thing is we have uh, the Baymont Messenger. It's our email newsletter. You can go to baymontdeceptive.com and go to the News tab and sign up for that newsletter. That is uh, the best way to find out where Marty and I will be, find out about upcoming trips to Israel and Turkey, find out about events that we're doing, stories about discussion groups that are happening all over the place. 
so it's a, just a great way to stay informed. We send that out about once a month, so it's not going to be like filling up your inbox like crazy or anything. And uh, hopefully it's pretty good. I think the stories are uh, pretty amazing. Like God is doing all sorts of crazy stuff, and, and we just love to be able to share about that. So sign up for that. And then uh, lastly, Bama has become, uh, for me personally, uh, my my job, uh, or at least a, a significant portion of my job. For the first three, three and a half years of the podcast, I was entirely volunteering all of my time, being on the show and editing the podcast and developing the website, et cetera, et cetera. And thanks to uh, generous listeners, uh, I've been able to transition out of my previous job into uh, doing Baymoth stuff. And there's a lot more that we want to do with that too. So if you are interested in uh, what we're doing with Baymoth Discipleship and you want to support the show, you want to support me and my family, and you want to support all of the plans that we have for the future, go to the link at the bottom of the show notes where it says support the Baymoth podcast that will, that will take you to a page on our website that tells you all about what we're doing and all the different ways you can support our ministry. Yeah, we had no idea when we started this what this was going to become. Like we had some students here on the Palouse. We knew there'd be a a few people listening around, you know, here and there. And then all of a sudden, four years later, and you'll hear this as we do the podcast, like you'll hear our tones kind of change as we grow and develop. Because now we, we have tens of thousands of listeners listening all around the world. And we did not expect that. We didn't really set out to do that. Even today, we're not trying to promote that or grow or develop that. It's just happening on its own. And in order to steward that kind of a thing, that's a, that's a thing. It's become, it's become a thing. And to steward that kind of a thing, well, um, it just takes a different kind of energy and a different kind of uh, resource. And so you heard us just say in this capstone lesson that I, I spend my summers fundraising, um, and, and we really didn't say much beyond that. And so I just want to add that plug here. If you're listening, if you got through session one and it meant something to you and this ministry um, made a difference for you and it's making a difference for your faith, um, even uh, we have such a volume now that even people signing up for $10 a month to support Baymont Ministry is being, that's a game changer for us. Because with tens of thousands of people listening, if they're signing up at $10 a month, that is a lot of monthly income that starts to come in. Now, we still have a surprisingly low number of people that are signed up for those small little gifts. But if you've got $8 a month, $10 a month, if you want to come in at $50 a month or $100 a month and support our ministry, um, we're going to use it to be able to um, to employ people like Brent and other staff and produce future resources and, and just keep this thing going and, and just keep stewarding it well and seeing what God wants to do with it. So we invite you on to our financial support team. Yeah, unfortunately, we can't say that every listener is supporting us in that way yet. <laughs> no, we cannot. That would be amazing. Uh, but we, do, we actually don't expect that. Like, there, there's such a wide variety of people listening to the show, uh, people in college who are, you know, barely scraping by and getting their homework done. And then we've got people who have more resources available. So absolutely, if you're one of those people, even if it's just a small amount, like any any amount uh, on a monthly basis, monthly is is really the the best way for us. So we know what to expect and we can uh, plan better for, for what we're going to do. But yeah, any support at all is just like so, so uh, amazing and welcome by us. Like we, we appreciate it so much. We always want the material to be free. That's a big commitment uh, of ours. Um, in order to do that, we have to have the generosity and the the willingness, uh, the support of others to make it to make it happen. But we want the material itself to be free, supported by people that believe in it. So finally, I just want to make an impassioned plea, if you will, not to skip over session two. I know that is the temptation. Don't do it. You think like, oh, this Torah stuff is amazing. I can't wait to hear what they say about Jesus. Well, 
We cover I mean, some stuff in session two, Brent. Yeah, we do. So, important stuff. Important stuff. And Jesus is going to refer back to so much of the material that we cover in session two. Like, it's really so, so good to have a framework for what's going on in the prophets and the writings. If you're thinking about skipping a session three, you're about to do yourself a terrible disservice. Don't. Absolutely. All, All right. right. Well, carry on then. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.